SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody in for maybe the final 2020 edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Uh, I'm your host as always, Brian Stone, uh, joined once again by Louisiana writer Matt Miguez. Uh, Matt, you know, the Sun Belt almost swept all the bowl games, and surprisingly, it was the highest ranked uh, Sun Belt team that actually blew it for the rest of the conference. Uh, we'll get into that, but give me your overall impressions of the Sun Belt this season uh, from a bowl perspective. Yeah, you know, bowl, bowl wise, I think everybody played well. I mean, you know, Louisiana wins the first responder bowl, uh, Georgia Southern absolutely dominated Louisiana Tech. Thank you very much for that one. Um, <laughs> I, I hate Louisiana Tech with a passion, so that was phenomenal. But uh, And then, um, you know, Georgia State beating Western Kentucky pretty handedly. And then I'm App State winning the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, surprise, surprise. But, yeah, I, yes. I, I, felt like, I felt like the Sun Belt did fairly well. And, you know, as a Louisiana fan, I've got a gripe with Coastal, but, I mean, you got to give them their credit. They played well. Liberty just played a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess let's go ahead and jump into the first bowl game. Um, you know, Monday, uh, December 21st, App State kicked off the bowl season for the Sun Belt overall uh, and was able to uh, basically just run over North Texas, although neither one of us are surprised by kind of the no. outcome of this one. Uh, we talked about in the last episode how some of these Sunbelt teams, it felt like, got shortchanged because they were matched up with teams that were either below 500 or right at 500 or just above 500 by maybe like a game or so. Uh, and this was one of those games, I mean, Conference USA, I, I guess they didn't want to do a... a you know, a, a rerun uh, with App and Marshall. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. Marshall should have been in these. Uh, I don't know if they've had COVID issues or whatever, but, like, they definitely should have been in one of these games, I feel like, with a Sunbelt team because they're the only Conference USA school that could give any of these upper-tier Sunbelt teams a run for their money. And you saw it in this one. I mean, Cameron Peoples... I, I don't know how many records he set in this one, but to run for 317 on 22 carries and five touchdowns. Yeah, that's, um, that's disturbing. I mean, North Texas, I mean, I, I get that, you know, they had Mason Fine, uh, I believe it was a year ago. He was a real difference maker for them. Uh, but, I mean, they, they just had no shot. I mean, Peoples ran, you know, like I said, 14 and a half yards per carry. So, I mean, if you can't, if you can't stop a team from running the ball to that extent, like you've just got no shot and you saw yeah. it in this one. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I knew that Camp Peoples was a, a freaky next level kind of athlete. But then when, and, and I, don't, I don't care who you're playing against, if you average 14 and a half yards of carry, that's just, that's insane. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, big props to App State. Again, like you said at the beginning, not surprised whatsoever. Um, North, North no. Texas has been bad for a long time, and I have a feeling they're going to continue to be bad. Yeah. Um, I think if this was – I don't know if they kept with it to a T, but 
if there was one year where they should have th- these bulls should have broke from their the um, contracts, yeah, the con the contracts with the specific, you know, we have to have X team from Y conference uh, in the in the bowl games. I feel like this would have been the year to do it with the number of bowls that have had to get canceled due to Absolutely. COVID. So I I think at that point it should have just been we need to get a team on app state or georgia southern or louisiana's level to play them because no one really benefits from watching a game where a team wins by 28 and has a guy run for 300 yards i mean right. app state no, fans, nobody you know, nobody benefits from that i mean app state fans do just because they can you know say you know they they ended their their season on a couple of high notes beating georgia southern and and beating north texas in the bowl but uh i mean viewership <laughs> had to have been at an all-time low for some of these bowl games just because they're so lopsided that it was unreal how how uh, poorly these teams matched up with one another. Uh, but, you know, this was this was kind of the deal uh, with App all year. If they could run the ball like this, uh, I mean, they weren't running the ball for 500 yards a game as a team, but if they could run the ball successfully, they just weren't going to throw it, and that's kind of what you saw in this one. Zach Thomas, eight of sixteen, one hundred and fourteen yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, again, the, if Zach Thomas doesn't have to make plays, uh, then they're a okay because that's that's the type of team or type of game they want to play. So, I mean, like I said, credit to App, but I mean, this was a poor matchup uh, in a bowl game. They, they should have really tried to find a sub for uh, a North Texas team that was four and five going into this game. Yeah, um, and you know, talking about the contracts, Louisiana benefited from that very well, actually. Um, the first responder bowl is not a Sun Belt tie-in, mm-hmm. uh, so so the conference did break some. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contracts. Excuse me. Um, by by doing that, because what ended up happening was UTSA was supposed to play in the. Frisco Bowl, I think it was. They got canceled. And then so they moved them to the first responder bowl in Dallas. And then they needed to fill a spot. And that's when they looked Louisiana's way. So, uh, you know, playing at 2.30 the day after Christmas on ABC. For, for, for a Sunbelt school, you can't beat that. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. Um Wrapping up, do you have any final thoughts on this bowl game? I mean, we we saw it was going to be lopsided based on the the talent level of both teams, and it was. So, I mean, no real surprise here other than people's breaking a bunch of uh, records for this bowl game. But do you have any final thoughts on on this game before we kind of move on? Absolutely not. I mean, like like we said, App State, I knew going into it that it was going to be a minimum of a 14-point game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so App State gets to end their season nine and three uh, after uh, sliding in a couple of games this year. So they end on a high note. North Texas four and six to close out this weird COVID season. Uh, so moving on, next game on the slate: Georgia Southern took on Louisiana Tech in the New Orleans Bowl on the twenty third. Um, I'll say this. Uh, you know, I feel like if Louisiana Tech's starting quarterback, Cole Anthony, was able to play, I think this would have been a much, much closer game. Um, he broke his leg in their regular season finale against TCU. 
Uh, so obviously he wasn't available, but they ran this Aaron Allen guy out there and he was terrible. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of following uh, on Twitter, like the general hashtag for this bowl and just wanted to see what Louisiana Tech's um, thoughts were for fans. And they could not stand the fact that Skip Holtz waited about three quarters to switch out their quarterback. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, they basically just took advantage of Aaron Allen throwing three picks and completing less than 50% of his passes. Yeah, you know, like like you said, if, if Louisiana Tech would have had Luke Anthony, I think it would have been a different ball game. But, you know, credit to Shy Words, man. He, he was banged up for a while, comes back, and just has a hell of a football game. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at some of your tweets during this game, and I was, I was rolling. Because, you know, why, why did Georgia Southern wait so long to have such a great offensive performance? Well, they fired their offensive coordinator, who was like a lame well, duck. But then, like, okay, they fired him after the Georgia State loss. Then they play, um, who was it? Florida Atlantic. Uh, they have to run their second stringer out there. They won what was the final score of that one? 21 to three or something. So they played well in that one, but didn't really explode offensively because Justin Tomlin had to play. Then they played app. And, you know, we talked about this last week, Tomlin gets hurt and they have to run a third stringer out there. So this is kind of the first game that our new offensive coordinator, and he was hired full time since this game, duh. But uh, Doug Ruse uh, has played, you know, coached with Shy Wirtz playing and this is kind of what you get is this is what happens when you have any sort of variety in your play calling or you find something that works and you actually go with it versus what Bob DeBest was doing, which was he'd find something that worked and immediately switch and do something else that wasn't going to work. And I j- that was just so stupid. And uh, yeah, so that's that's basically what the difference was. Shy Wirtz was healthy. We had a competent offensive coordinator. Uh, and I mean, like I said, I, I still think Georgia Southern wins this game if Anthony plays for Louisiana Tech, but I don't think it's a 35 point beat down the way that this game was. Yeah, um, but like I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say other than Georgia Southern just took Louisiana Tech to the woodshed. Yeah, I mean, Israel Tucker, uh, Louisiana Tech's running back, was pretty solid in this one. Uh, he actually was a pretty good bright spot early on for them. And Skip Holtz, weirdly, with you know a backup quarterback playing who wasn't throwing the ball well or making good decisions, went away from the run and was like, no, we're going to throw it 24 times with this guy who can't hold on to the ball. So I don't really understand what the decision-making on the play-calling side was like. People were getting really mad at him on Twitter, at least from the Louisiana Tech perspective, for being so hard-headed and being like, I'm going to do this, and this is alone what we're going to do. So, I mean, Georgia Southern, you know, got up 21-3 to at halftime. Uh, Shy Wirtz had four touchdowns in this game. Uh, this may be his final uh, game starting for Georgia Southern. I, th- I feel like there's a chance he probably moves on after this game is over. It goes out on a high note. Um but yeah, I mean, we pretty much did whatever we wanted to do running the football. Uh, there was kind of a, a a dip that they took coming out of halftime. But I mean, Louisiana Tech couldn't move the ball, and we were up, you know, twenty eight to three 
after three quarters. And I mean, that was a, it was a wrap. They waited too long to put their backup, their third stringer JD head into the game. So it is what it is. I'm just glad y'all beat tech, man. That's yeah. Uh, I, I mean, again, I know the backup quarterback was in, but like, it's so funny after hearing those comments from Louisiana Tech's AD about how oh my God. Sunbelt teams joining the Conference USA would be like, they would have to like, be like all right. for the poor. Like they were going to have to, to like make a, make a concession to take like a coastal right. app. And it's just <laughs> like hilarious. That conversation came up in the preseason with COVID, you know, let's look at conference realignment to make it more, you know, geographical, you know, like for, for our example, Louisiana, Louisiana tech, McNeese, you know, schools like that all being in one conference. Yeah. And he just exploded saying, Oh, you know, there's no interest here. Uh, in fact, you know, and he kept referring to us as Lafayette, which mm-hmm. he know, which he knew damn well that that wouldn't sit well. <laughs> He did yeah. it on purpose. So he yeah. kept calling us Lafayette, and he kept saying, well, you know, if I'm in Lafayette's position, I'd be looking to make a step up to conference you. Bro, y'all went one and four. Right. In, in bowl games. Shut, mm-hmm. shut your mouth. Y'all are, the, y'all are the worst conference. I'll take that back. Second worst conference. I'm, I'm sorry to the MAC, but that's, the MAC is bad. Um, Kusa's horrible. It's horrible. Outside of Marshall – Sometimes FAU and sometimes UAB. Goose is a joke. I mean, UTSA was okay this year, and and yeah, they I mean, played they, were, they played you guys closer than I think any other. I mean, outside of Liberty, but like with all the Conference even, USA Sun Belt games, like it was the closest bowl game that Conference USA played, I believe. Don't even remind me. <laughs> but we'll, but we'll I mean, yeah, that later. it's it's tough because. Those comments couldn't have couldn't have been bookended worse with like right. the worst bowl season probably ever for them. I mean, you know, just between Georgia Southern's bowl game and App State's bowl game, I mean, these games were four touchdown deficits plus. You know, right. it wasn't a matter of, well, you know, we lost by ten points and you know, anything can happen and we didn't get excited for a bowl game or whatever the excuse is typically around bowl season. They, they just stunk it up. And I mean, North Texas didn't really have an excuse. Louisiana Tech at least had an excuse, I guess, that their quarterback didn't play. But boy, what what right. a terrible bowl performance from some of these Conference USA schools. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And, you know, like, like I said, in my opinion, Conference USA is just a, a joke of a conference. Um, and, you know, to, to talk about, to go off of that, you know, we talk about Tommy McClelland and the comments that he made. You know, he left Louisiana Tech. He's no longer the athletic director. Mm-hmm. He is yeah, now. I, I saw that. He is now at Vanderbilt as the associate AD in charge of giving. You know what's weird? Our uh, old AD at Georgia Southern did the same thing, but I believe he's at Ole Miss now. Um, I believe that when that happens, it typically means that they knew that their time was kind of their job was on the line. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for us, at least, you know, Georgia Southern had made 
uh, had, you know, Tom Kleinlein, who was our AD, who is now, I think, doing the exact same thing at Ole Miss. He basically ran Willie Fritz out of Statesboro because he refused to meet, like, salary expectations um, for Fritz's contract because he had been winning and they refused to re-up him on, like, an extension. And then he hires Tyson Summers, which is the worst uh, hire in uh, maybe second worst hire, I guess you can you can debate that in Georgia Southern football history uh, for the football program. And then Chad Lunsford has a good season in 2018, kind of falters in 19, and then Kleinlein's gone. So like, I guess he just didn't want to be held accountable if if Lunsford didn't work out again because this would be you ran off the one successful coach you hired and you hired potentially two duds. So like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe uh, McClellan was the same way at Louisiana Tech and was like, I see the writing on the wall. I need to go get a job before I get fired. And no one right. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, possible. So, yeah, uh, but wrapping that game up, I mean, another dominant performance by a Sunbelt team over a Conference USA school. Georgia Southern ends the season 8-5, and five, uh, and Louisiana Tech ends the season at 500-5-5. and five. Um, getting into the game that took place the day after Christmas, um, you know, I'm just going down the order here on ESPN. So if they're not chronological, I apologize. Uh, Liberty <coughs> was able to knock off Coastal Carolina by a three point margin, uh, in overtime, you know, this game, it was a three point margin and they went into overtime. But if you watched this game, it really did feel like Liberty never really relinquished control of this game. I never, mean, never Malik, once. Malik Willis was making plays left and right. Um, you know, I, I actually went to bed uh, with uh, Liberty holding the 31 19 lead starting in the fourth quarter um, because I was like, Coastal's just, they just don't have it. I mean, it, it's whatever. Maybe they're deflated. They didn't get to play for the title game due to COVID. Um, maybe they were they're deflated. They didn't get the the New York New Year's Six uh, G five slot. But I mean, say what you want. Uh, Liberty came out to play. Uh, maybe they had been had a lot of pent up uh, anger left over from the way that their season kind of ended. Um, but yeah, I mean, all credit to Liberty. We were talking about Liberty and Coastal playing uh, when COVID hit Liberty and they had to cancel this game earlier in the regular season. But man, I mean, like I said, cre- all credit to Liberty for this performance. Uh, I definitely didn't see this one coming. Yeah, you know, I hate to say this because I'm supposed to remain unbiased as a as a Sunbelt contributor, but can, can I just say that I loved every second of that? Yeah, I mean, you could. Because, yeah. <laughs> b- because just, you know, and, and again, I- I've said this numerous times to numerous people, all respect to Coastal Carolina and the season that they've had this year. However, this is your first taste of success in FBS. And when I tell you that their fan base and their players could not have a bigger head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something I don't like. I mean, cause again, I get it. You had a successful year, blah, blah, blah. The media is talking about you, but at the same time, you know, you ever heard the phrase act like you've done it before? Well, they haven't. So, well, I mean, no, you haven't, but you got to act like <laughs> you have. <laughs> they, they, you know, maybe 
they can always just write, you know, this bowl game off as a, as a one-off, I guess. But, um, yeah, like I said, you know, if you're going to have that level of confidence or, or, you know, swagger even in yourself, you got to finish, finish it off. Like you can't, right. you can't like, again, I, I say this having said that this game went to overtime and credit for Coastal getting it there, but there were points in this game where I was honestly flipping it over to other things because I was like, well, Liberty it weirdly has this in the bag. Like yeah. they could not stop Malik Willis running the ball. He ran for four touchdowns and 137 yards. The only really saving grace they had was that they picked him off twice. So, you know, you forced a couple turnovers there. Um, you know, they, they kind of played this one like they did that Troy game where they waited until the very end to decide that they were going to get back in this one. And and then in overtime, you know, Coastal uh, ki- or, uh, Coastal can't score. Liberty kicks a field goal, 44 yards. Ball game. I mean, Liberty right. turned the ball over three times and still won this game. Yeah, you know, the, the game went down to, like you said, Liberty um, Liberty kicked a field goal, and then Coastal got the ball back. The game actually ended on a block. That's right, yeah, that's right. Uh, Coastal lined up for the tying field goal, and Liberty blocked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, great game by Liberty, uh, a good fourth quarter by coastal Carolina uh, and ended up making for a hell of an ending to a, to a bowl game. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a, as a Cajuns fan, I'm, I'm a little happy with, with the way it happened. I won't, I won't lie. Yeah. I, I I mean, I get where you're coming from with that for sure. Um, It's, it's, it was very weird to, to see that coastal was dealing with COVID issues before the Sunbelt title game, which we didn't get. And then just both teams are co-champions, quote unquote, even though it doesn't feel that way. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. just, just a and weird then, ending to a weird season. And then Coastal takes the Sunbelt Championship trophy and takes pictures with it after one of their practices and posts them <laughs> on social media. Hashtag I didn't, know I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a weird look to do that. And then weird be like, flex, but okay. Yeah, but we we couldn't play because our our whole we had a position group or whatever the report was knocked out with COVID. But we can right. take pictures with in the practice trophy. with the Sun Belt Trophy. Okay, right. Um. So yeah, just a weird ending to a weird season. But like I said, all credit goes to Liberty. Uh, Grayson McCall played pretty well in this one. You know, uh, scored what uh you know four touchdowns by himself just turned the ball over the once although i saw the turnover the interception he threw was horrendous i mean he yeah, threw it bad he hit a liberty player right between the numbers with it as if he was the receiver so i i mean yeah like i said it, it was a weird game to go to ot but it never felt like liberty was really relinquishing control of how this one was going i mean the the one thing that you can say about coastal is liberty could not stop javon haley uh, who almost had 200 yards receiving, but like I said, you know, coastal, you know, you want to take pictures with the Sunbelt trophy and you want to talk yeah. and all do all this stuff. You got to finish the job and be like, listen, we were 12 and Oh, now it's like, right. I literally don't want to hear from any coastal fans until preseason next year. Thank and you. When I, when I say preseason, I mean like August, like, right. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear about anything coastal did in football until August, because you didn't officially win the Sunbelt. 
because of COVID, you can say that, whatever. You lost your bowl game, which you didn't really feel like you were ever in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, credit to Liberty. Uh, so Liberty finishes the season 10-1, and one, Coastal drops to 11-1. and one. Uh, and getting into you guys' bowl game, uh, Louisiana uh, played UTSA, won by a 31-24 margin. I mean, kind of talk a little bit, talk me through this one a little bit. I will say I probably watched this game the least out of the uh, Sunbelt Bowl, sure. so kind of give me your overall thoughts on how this game went and why it was so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cajuns played well. Uh, you know, at one point in the third quarter, we were leading 24 to 7. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely dominating every facet of the game. Uh, and then there was a there was a run play with Trey Regis, and Trey got nailed. Probably should have been a unnecessary roughness penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it seemed a little bit like a blindside hit to me. But um, he ended up fumbling the football. UTSA recovered. They went down the field and scored. And in that moment, it seemed like every piece of momentum that we had was gone. Mm-hmm. And, UT, and UTSA took advantage of it. Uh, they ended up scoring 17 unanswered to tie the game at 24. And then we ended up scoring, I want to say, with like three minutes left that, yeah. that, eventually, that eventually put the game away. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of, of that 17-point swing – that got UTSA back in the game. I mean, I thought the Cajuns played very well. Offensively, mm-hmm. we moved the ball well. Defense, you know, did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, obviously, when, you, when you're when you facing a running back that's got 1,300 yards on the season, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to stop that kid. I don't remember exactly, exactly what he finished with yards-wise, but I, I felt like the defense played pretty well. And we got our second bowl championship in Billy Napier's third season. Yeah, uh, so that running back, I think, are you talking about Sincere McCormick? Yeah, McCormick, yep. Uh, he finished with 122 on 23 okay. carries, uh, so 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, the the player that really kept UTSA in this one was quarterback Frank Harris. Frank Harris, yep, uh, great, great player. Yeah, re- threw for 208, two touchdowns and a pick, ran for 91 and a score. Um, yeah, I mean, g- I, I guess, you know, clearly credit to you guys for for beating them i I mean but credit to utsa for like you said just not getting down uh down 24 to 7 you know this game felt like uh, utsa was just going to get stomped at a point and uh louisiana just felt like they were going to run away with it and then like you said the the momentum kind of shifts and weird things happen in bowl games because you can't ever really get a gauge on uh, and, and this isn't talking about Louisiana specifically, but you can't ever really get a gauge on how, how much kids value these bowl games. Um, some, it feels like they use this as their Super Bowl, and others, it feels like they're, they're like, we don't really care if we're here. Or right. not. This doesn't mean anything to us. Like, we're not, right. we're not playing anybody we care about. So, I, I mean, yeah, so credit like for, to Louisiana for sure for, for being able to, to rally because – this game could have swung quickly uh, with it being 24-24, you know, UTSA could have jumped on it and, and just, you know, made it work. But yeah, uh, Trey Regis, you know, punches it in with seven minutes to go from one yard out. And that is pretty much the ball game UTSA couldn't score again after that point. Um, 
So I, I yeah, guess you the- know what I'll, oh, I'll say. I'll say this in closing: the one the one thing that UTSA did well was you were talking about Frank Harris. Man, their ability to run the read option. Mm-hmm. We had no answer. We yeah. had no answer for it. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of like we, the game we just talked about, like Willis at Liberty. Like he's just so tough to like contain. So, I mean, that's the one I didn't know a lot about UTSA just because I don't I don't really keep up with their football program. But the one thing I knew is that they had a solid dual threat quarterback who could give teams trouble. And and you know, like you said, the read option was tough to to deal with in this one. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um... And yeah, they they could be they could be a good football program, you know, in the next couple of years. They uh, they definitely have the pieces for sure. And then what a what a swagger move by the quarterback to wear number zero. I was waiting for that uh, all season. That's, that's I would such, watch a, that's these, such a swagger move. I would watch these random games all season and be like, who's going to be the first quarterback to wear zero? To wear zero. And, and yeah, Frank Harris, number zero, agent zero. Um, Good for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up, you know, this game and both these teams seasons. Louisiana goes out on a high note, 10 and one uh, with the win. UTSA drops to seven and five uh, coming up short. So I guess let's talk about, you know, sadly, the final uh, Sunbelt game of the season uh, that we'll discuss, you know, until next uh, fall. Georgia State beats Western Kentucky 39-21. I watched this game weirdly in chunks because it was like Georgia State would get up and then Western Kentucky would show a little life and I'd cut it back on. And then Georgia State would, you know, get up a little more. And then after a while, I was just like, Georgia State's got this one in the bag. Like Western Kentucky just didn't have really any answers for Georgia State's offense in this game, especially Cornelius Brown. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't watch much of this game. Uh, I really just saw the highlights. And yeah, like you said, Quad Brown, what a what a game he had. Uh, that kid's got a bright future uh, at Georgia State for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't watch much of this, hardly at all. So I, I really can't speak too much on the game. But uh, congrats to, God, I'm going to draw a blank on the coach's name. Sean uh, Elliott. Elliot, yeah, Sean Elliott and and Georgia State, they're uh, they're poised for good things in the future for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, this is this is one of those things where Georgia State was bad for a while uh, when they moved up to the FBS level. So it feels like every time they win a bowl game, that it's huge for like their program as a building block. And you know, you said it, uh, Quad Brown. I mean, looks like he could be a real you know, threat. I feel like if he gets a little more efficient with throwing the football, like he could be truly a real problem for some of these Sunbelt teams to have to contend with. I feel like that's the one hole that I see is he, at least in the Georgia Southern game, you know, as a, as an example, he started off the game so slow. Like he, he, he was just throwing the ball all over the place. And then he finally kind of established a rhythm and then from there on, he was incredibly hard to stop because he can kind of do it with his legs and his arm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Quad Brown, you know, definitely flashed in this one with three touchdowns. Um, you know, Destin Coates ran for 117 in a score. Uh, this was truly a game where it didn't really ever seem like Western Kentucky was going to make a run and, and tie this one up. I mean, 
you know, they scored four minutes left in the first quarter and then they didn't score again until the third quarter. And by that point, it was 27 to 14 and Western Kentucky just couldn't move the football. I mean, 284 total yards for the Hilltoppers and three turnovers. It's not a winning formula by any stretch. No, no, it's not. Um, Yeah, you know, Western Kentucky, they've struggled for a long time, especially their last few years in the Sun Belt. Um, And so I I really expected from the get-go that this was going to be Georgia State's game to lose. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't they didn't lose it. So kudos kudos to them. And you know Western Kentucky. I think one thing that's going to help them is is getting a new mascot. I mean, dude, that that that's a big yep, red blob. <laughs> no, they love big red. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, another just quick sidebar, uh, Mikel Colasurdo. Uh, I believe we talked about him in the preseason as uh. Having, I, I believe they thought he had the the heart condition. That yeah, came myocarditis. Out. Yeah, and and I I believe that they didn't think that he was going to be able to play at all this year. But he, you know, he came in uh, in this one and ended up throwing you know a touchdown pass uh, with five minutes left in the game. So you know, uh, it, it didn't really contribute uh, overall to the final score. I mean, outside of just making this one a little bit bigger of a win for Georgia State. But you know, credit to him for. Uh, you know, overcoming that health scare and being able to yeah, to kind of that's go awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So that concludes the Sun Belt Bowl season and the Sun Belt season as a whole. Uh, just a weird season overall for everybody in the Sun Belt. Uh, you know, not having a conference title game at all is a very strange move. I was, I was, I was in favor of doing the thing where they would just match up uh, Louisiana and Coastal in a bowl game and essentially just call it the de facto Sunbelt Championship. Um, yeah. I would have much rather had – well, I don't know. Both teams played in pretty good bowl games overall. I mean, they were both – Or, you know, you could do what the Pac-12 did because the Pac-12, the conference championship game was supposed to be USC and Washington. Right. Washington has a COVID issue. They replaced Washington with the next best team from that division, which was Oregon. And Oregon ended up winning the damn game. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I'll say this, you know, I feel like that devalues their and and I could be totally wrong uh, with some opinions on this. That kind of feels like it devalues the conference title trophy a little bit just because Oregon was so bad. I mean, specifically, Oregon was so bad at the this doesn't apply to the Sun Belt. Oregon was so bad at the beginning of the year and and kind of caught fire at a point. But it just doesn't feel like Oregon should have even been in that game, and they maybe shouldn't have. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do, but it, it just it feels like it lessens what they were actually what they actually did, which was started off slow, ended up making a run, luck into the conference title game due to Washington's COVID issues, and now they're Pac-12 champs, even though they didn't win their division, so they shouldn't have been there to start with. I feel like if you threw App State in the the Sun Belt title game, it would have felt about the same way, uh, because two weeks before they had just lost to Louisiana, didn't win their side of the the Sun Belt. So I mean, if Louisiana wins, they clearly get the trophy, but it doesn't feel like they overcame the issue, which was beating Coastal because of the game earlier in the season. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, no, so, I, I get where you're coming from for sure. 
So I, I, I feel like, I guess they made the right move, although, like I said, I definitely would have rather have just seen a bowl game determine the Sunbelt title where, where it ends up. Uh, if it yeah. ends up in Lafayette or it ends up in Myrtle Beach uh, or Conway, quote-unquote Conway. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, just kind of closing out here, we had one uh, minor note. Uh, well, not minor. I mean, one of the Sunbelt teams hired a head coach. Uh, Louisiana Monroe hired Terry Bowden out of, uh, I guess, uh, self-imposed retirement would be the way to put it. Uh, you know, we had talked about this before we started recording. He, uh, in June 2019, had joined the Clemson staff as an unpaid GA uh, to get his graduate degree. Uh, he last coached Akron uh, in 2018. They went 4-8, and eight and he kind of washed out of there. Uh, you know, his his big claim to fame is he was c- the coach of Auburn for five seasons, and ever since then, it's kind of been, eh, as a coach since then. So, you know, what what, what can you say about this hire, Matt? I mean, I think I think Monroe was was desperate. Yeah. Um. And and they they brought they they got a guy that was was willing to come for for next to nothing. Um. I don't know. I don't know the exact salary details, but I heard that they're only paying him somewhere in the region of a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much of that is is put up to, you know, you've talked about it on this pod a number of times, like the the salary constraints that the, the athletic, budget, yeah. department, athletic department is under. I mean, like you said, I mean, you've said it a couple times, until they figure out how to raise some more funds to get a new head, to get a real head coach in there, I just, I don't see it with Bowden, man. Like, he, oh, no, no. He ever since, you know, he's a placeholder. Yeah. I, I mean, ever since, you know, 2015, he coaches Akron to an eight and five record. They win the Idaho Potato Bowl, you know, and then ever since then, he didn't, he, he, in the three seasons after that, he didn't post a better than 500 record as right. a coach uh, at Akron. So the MAC isn't exactly, you know, the toughest conference in the world to coach. Um, it just seems like since, you know, him, he left Auburn. I mean, he doesn't really have it at the D1 level. I mean, he coached North Alabama for three seasons and was pretty good, but I feel like that's where he belongs is like yep. an FCS, maybe a D2 coach, I feel like is where he can succeed. I just don't feel like he's the type of coach that's going to pull Louisiana Monroe out of the incredible hole that they have and make them, you know, even a 500 team in the Sun Belt. No, even a right. 500 team. Like, I, I feel like you got to have someone who's new, that has like some fresh ideas uh, can bring some real energy and just hiring a guy who was semi-retired and, and coaching uh, as it are doing this GA at Clemson. I don't know, man, like, like you said, might, might be the budget, but I would have gone and grabbed like an FCS offensive coordinator before For I sure. got a guy who just wasn't coaching at all, you know? For sure. Uh, and, you know, like, like we said, I, I think it's more of a placeholder, uh, you know, because they were just they were struggling to find a coach. I mean, dude, it got to the point where they re- there was an article released from Monroe that they were putting the coaching search on a holiday hiatus. <laughs> like, like yeah, dude, it, it, it almost it almost became laughable. Yeah, um, that is tough. Yeah, I mean, what 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 the hell is a holiday hiatus? I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think the thing was they literally couldn't find someone to come do it, uh, which is why I said, you know, I don't know where they were going looking for candidates, but they should have just dipped down to the FCS level and just grabbed, like, uh, who would it, I guess North Dakota State would have been the best FCS team this year. I don't know. May, but maybe you just yeah. grab, like, whoever was projected before COVID derailed the whole FCS year. Whoever was projected to be uh, one of the better teams, just grab, like, a coordinator from there, and you won't yeah, probably have to pay sure. them all that much. For sure. Uh, I mean, I I just feel like there's no real future in Terry Bowden at age 64 coming out of, uh, you know, God, no. No. retirement from 2018 where he failed at Akron and turning uh, UL Monroe into anything. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll say this. You know, Matt Vietar is is an incredible, incredible coach. Um, you know, I have a feeling, and this is just my thought, but I have a feeling that Monroe's soon going to realize their issues aren't with their coach. Mm-hmm. Their issues weren't with Matt Vietar. Yeah. Their issues were with the fact that he didn't have the resources needed to properly run the program. Yeah. So until, until you get a coach, the resources he needs, it doesn't matter who's running the show. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, I think they're going to realize that firing Matt Vietor was not the fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I agree. Um, I think, I mean, I had said this before, I think a little bit of it fell on his shoulders. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're just not going to give the guy the uh, the the requisite resources that you need to be successful at the at the you know FBS level, then then you know what are you even doing here? Like right. just just move down, like you had said before on on previous episodes. But um, I don't know if there's any other news to go over before we kind of close out this Sun Belt season. Uh, I touched on it earlier. Georgia Southern hired. Uh, offensive coordinator uh, Doug Roos from the interim uh, to be their full-time offensive coordinator going forward. Um, so I personally am looking forward to that. I know a lot of Georgia Southern fans are too. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we kind of close out and uh, head to the off season? First time in school history that Louisiana has had back-to-back double-digit win seasons. Yeah, I that's mean, incredible. I am, I am, I am thrilled. Uh, our head coach has turned down three SEC job offers in the last two seasons, um, which makes me feel good about where our program is at. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Hell, man, I, I'm, I'm happy as where the Sun Belt's at. Yeah. I mean, when, when was the Sun Belt has never had two teams in one season that were in national conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think the the playoff has done both good and bad uh, for recognizing where group of five schools kind of stand overall. But I feel like that, that you clearly have the upper echelon of uh, the power five. You have the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. You have the Ohio States. But I feel like when you get to that mid tier of of where FBS Power Five schools lie, I feel like the Group of Five has kind of closed the gap a little bit talent wise, and not made it so that it's so. Because I remember back, I, I don't remember back in the day like 
even really hearing and when i say back in the day i'm talking like early 2000s like even hearing about uh, a group of five or a lesser school coming up and beating a power five team like you know as much as i don't like app state it felt like app state and michigan kind of opened the door for that a little bit so yeah. i i mean i feel like the talent gap over time it's it's getting closer outside of like i said you're always going to have some powerhouse power five school that just runs through everybody i mean it happens every year but the iowa states of the world to use an example for that applies to a louisiana fan the iowa states of the world they're ranked but you clearly see that the talent gap between them and a louisiana is not what the the playoff committee would have you believe so right. so i yeah I'm, I'm i'm incredibly happy with where the sunbelt sits right now um you know, it's going to be a weird year going into next year with a bunch of guys already, you know, kind of opting in for next year with that that free waiver uh, that the NCAA is granting people. I mean, a number of Georgia Southern players have already committed to coming back next year. Um, yeah, so it's going to be weird talking about guys that probably should have, you know, moved on by now being yeah. back in 2021 and just being like, we're going to run it. We're going to run it back and see what happens. Yeah, you know, uh, talking about that, Levi Lewis. Is, is is our big name that's gonna gonna return next season, which uh, I know a lot yeah. of Cajun fans are excited about. Um, there's a couple more that that we're still still waiting on, uh, and some rumblings that I'm hearing around Lafayette is that we're pretty hopeful. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean it it it's it's a good time to be a fan of the Sun Belt for sure. Absolutely. Um, so you know, as we close out here, uh, Sun Belt season uh ends with just one bowl loss ironically being the best team ranked ranking wise in the conference um so as we close out matt for the final time in 2020 uh we're recording this december 30th tell the folks where they can find you on social media yeah you can find me on twitter at miguez matt and if you are a ul fan you can find my podcast rage and review on twitter at rage and review yeah, uh, I have been Brian Stone, uh, and still am, but have been as well. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, at WatchTheStone. Uh, we will be back, I assume, sometime in the summer to you know do all of this over again and, and talk about the 2021 football season. But this has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. 